Welcome back, everybody, to Sports Talk. Here we go on a Tuesday afternoon. You know, they tried to keep me off the air today. I'm not going to lie to you. Our general manager, Brad Dubow, market president, heard me talk. He tried to imitate me. And then he said, why don't you just take a day off? And I looked at him and I said, no, I'm not taking a day off on the air. What are you, nuts? Well, just because you don't, you know, I'm not used to the way I sound because I'm, I sound more like Duke and less than like me doesn't necessarily mean I'm, I'm taking a day off. He goes, uh, go rest. We need you. I'm like, yeah, I'll rest. I'll, I'll, I'll rest at 6 o'clock when I'm off the air. That's just the way it is, Adrian. You know. You're a, you're a warrior, Steve. Just like um, just like the, the Cowboys last night and how they uh, came back in their valiant effort. Um, winning that game yesterday, I was very impressed. I'm very impressed. You're back in action, but you sound fine. I, I think you sound okay. Listen, it's going to take more than a few octaves uh, deeper to worry about this today. That's right. It's, it, it's the truth. It is the truth. So, no, I feel okay. I, I really do. And you know, as I said yesterday, it just means you might be doing more talking, which is fine with you. I know that. So I'm, uh, I'm not too worried about it. But, no, I want to, uh, you know, want to be here. Think about this. This is our, this is our gig. It's our, it's our job. I mean, have you had in your uh, radio career any time yet where you've been um, so, let's say, um, you know, I mean, affected by your voice where it starts to go down a little bit and you and you know people don't recognize you has that happened yet or not really yes uh i think this year was the year where i had hiccups on minor talk one day uh that was embarrassing it just really was and i thought i thank the listeners at the end of that one because they had to endure just uh hiccups left and right can you imagine just me talking then like just like that oh, that's it, good it couldn't stuff. stop it could not it wouldn't stop i had tea i was holding my breath jason craig sal montes were there we were they were all chipping in they were they were giving up uh, a lot of their time to talk on the air while i was trying to deal with my own hiccups but that was i it couldn't get rid of them it was like 30 minutes straight of hiccups but have you had like some kind of bug where your voice is shot has that happened to you yet I, maybe like once like maybe like year one or two but nothing great nothing right. too bad because i've heard i've heard duke like this um over the years I've, I've listened to that i've had this every so often it's not usually a, a yearly thing with me but it happens from time to time it does but it's okay it's not uh it's not a problem i'm still uh you know ready to roll today we've got track talk at five with eric Owen from Sunland Park Racetrack and Casino. Um, if, you're, if you go outside right now, it's amazing. Like, the mountain looks like San Francisco. You got these clouds, you know, that's really, uh, you know, covering the base of the mountain. It's very foggy. Um, it doesn't feel like El Paso right now. It feels like you're, you're you know, in the Bay Area uh, getting a chance to walk around. So, I, I strongly encourage all of you out there, like if you're, if you want some exercise right now, go outside. And if you live near the mountain, take a good walk, put on your, uh, you know, your smartphone. You can listen to us on Sports Talk while you're taking the walk. And that way you've got some, some entertainment uh, to keep you busy and uh, just enjoy it because, you know, we're not going to get weather like this very often. We're just not. Um, most of the time we're, you know, in the, 80s, 90s, 100s, but for like these next couple of weeks when you're in the 50s and 60s, even in the 40s, 50s and 60s, cherish it because 
we only get this kind of weather a handful of uh, of weeks out of the year. That's right. I think everybody can't, you know, you can't take these rainy days for granted whatsoever here in El Paso. It's one of the cities where whenever it rains, it's it's kind of a, a joyous day, right? In other cities, you kind of dread the rain, especially since it's so often, you know, cities like Houston, San Antonio, most notably in Texas. But El Paso, when it rains, beside the traffic, that's the one that's the one problem when people drive on the roads in rain. Um, other than that, I love the rain here in this city. It makes it look so beautiful outside. It really does. And for Dallas Cowboys fans, it's raining um, greatness today. It really is. Like, this is the day where Cowboy fans are just so excited because think about this for a second. The last time Dallas won a road playoff game, Adrian was not born. Wow. I was a sophomore in college. That's how long it's been. Vinny Testaverde never won a road playoff game? No. Nobody's ever won for the Cowboys. The last Cowboys. Listen to this. The last Dallas Cowboys road playoff game. Win. Road playoff win. Was January 17th, 1993. Wow. I had no clue that was the case. That's that's a great stat right there. And uh, for Cowboy fans, they're probably thinking, well, you know, it it's good that it came against the GOAT and yep. a guy who beat him every single time and who's never lost to the Cowboys. Until last night. They exercised yep. the demons. The demons are gone. In fact, you know, you could say this too. So, so here's the interesting thing about yesterday's game. And I want to get phone calls going today at 505-6009. That's 505-6009. And talk to Cowboys fans because here's my question, okay? And this is for Conrad and and, you know, Ruben from Central, all the diehard Cowboys fans that call us all the time. I want to know this. So yesterday was probably the best performance Dak Prescott has ever had in his career in a big game. Let's be honest. Um, he was sensational. And after that first three and out, all he did was lead the Cowboys down and, and, and score. And luckily, you know what? They didn't need Brett Maher yesterday. They just didn't because they were putting so many points on the board that even six didn't matter. They were just they were racking it up. So if there was ever a playoff game when your usually reliable field goal kicker couldn't do a damn thing, last night was the perfect uh, perfect thing for you. It was. It was just beautiful. So you don't worry about Maher, and I'm not really too worried about Maher next week against San Francisco. We'll talk about that later. But here's the question. Number one, did yesterday's win by the Cowboys finally, A, put all fans at ease with Dak Prescott in big games? Do you feel better now about Dak as the Cowboys franchise quarterback after beating up Tampa the way they did yesterday on the road? And B, does that win solidify Mike McCarthy's status for 2023? Those are the two questions I have because now they got to go play San Francisco and they've got to go play the hottest team in the league in the NFC with arguably um, the most ridiculous quarterback story ever because Mr. Relevant looks like he is now the new number one quarterback for 2023 no matter what happens this weekend. I mean, seriously, 6-0, and they look terrific with them. And, 
you can't say that Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance would have had the kind of success Purdy's had. He's been, he's been, you know, undefeated. So, win or lose this weekend on Sunday, did Prescott do enough to now keep him firmly entrenched as the team's starting quarterback for uh, at least next year, if not years to come? And B, did last night's win seal Mike McCarthy's job for another year? Or do the Cowboys have to go deeper than the divisional round? Do they need to beat San Francisco and get to the NFC Championship game or beyond the Super Bowl? As a Cowboys fan, what are you feeling right now? That's what I want to know today on Sports Talk because it was such a big win for this team in a game they had to have. It was domination. The defense looked terrific. Micah Parsons was was all over the place, and so was that defense. Adrian, this was an absolute dismantling of Tom Brady and the Bucks. The only other game I could remember Dak Prescott playing a little bit better in is his first playoff victory against the Seattle Seahawks. If he ha- hadn't won that game, uh, we could be talking about Dak Prescott vying for his first playoff win in his career last night, and that was a tight game. Uh, that's why I thought yesterday's game probably surpassed that uh, previous Seattle playoff win because they did uh, they they won yesterday in such a dominating fashion. I mean, that's what you're most impressed about. Now, the first weekend of football in the wild card round, I'm always trying to look at which team stands out and which team kind of dominates on a lopsided score. You could make the argument, Steve, that no one across the playoff landscape as it is right now from the wild card round dominated their individual matchup like the Cowboys. The Cowboys were the only ones who actually dominated in their matchup. Bengals played the Ravens very close. Giants upset the Vikings. Bills beat out the Dolphins. But it was it was very close. It wasn't easy. Uh, Jaguars had to come back down from 27-0, and the 49ers trailed at halftime to the Seattle Seahawks. So the Cowboys never relinquished that lead. They never were worried about that game whatsoever yesterday. Dominated against the GOAT and Tom Brady. They did. They did. Now, you're not a Cowboys fan. I know that. No. Do you feel, though, that after the win, Dak did enough to put all Cowboys fans at ease with their concerns about him in big games. And the same for Mike McCarthy. Or do they need to do more than just beat Tampa Bay, a sub-500 football team, in a playoff game? All right, let's just do it. Let's uh, let's rip the Band-Aid off. Uh, Cowboys up against the Bucks. Uh, I thought yesterday, yeah, Dak did enough. He he had a great performance. I still don't think it will settle Cowboy fans uh, their their thoughts about him until they actually beat the 49ers. But you look at the path that the Cowboys have right now. I'm going to go out on a limb. It's uh, Tuesday, January 17th. They beat the 49ers. They beat the New York Giants, and they go to the Super Bowl. Whoa, yep. you just predicted the Giants to beat the Eagles. Yes, I I hate that matchup for Philly. I, if you're an Eagles fan right now, you've got to be kicking yourself knowing that you're going up against red-hot Danny Dimes in that defense uh, that Brian Dable is going to cook up for New York. And for yep. Philly, they're the most talented team left for sure, but I don't know if they could put it all together. Second year for head coach Nick Sirianni in the mix, 
Brock Purdy? Are you really going to trust the rookie right here? I love that Dallas defense yesterday. I, I was really impressed with it, and I don't think Cowboy the Cowboys are a good matchup for the 49ers, knowing what they're they're good at. Look, Geno Smith threw over the top against that 49ers secondary. As long as Dak is able to be as disciplined as he was this past week, I think they could do it. I think it'll be a very tight game, but I think they can do it. Well, all I can tell you is that, first off, I believe you. I'm with you on this. Um, I'm never a big fan of teams having to come off a bye against a hot opponent. And you're right. I mean, here's a great stat for you, okay? Giants, Eagles, Cowboys. Three teams left from the NFC East and one from the NFC West, okay? San Francisco. AFC, you got a team left in the East in Buffalo. You got a team in the West in Kansas City. You got a team in the South in Jacksonville. And you got a team in the North in Cincinnati. You got every single division represented in the AFC. We've been telling you for all season, the best division in football was the NFC East. And you want to know something? They proved it. Right now, three teams left in the divisional round. That shows you how good football was in the NFC East this year compared to the AFC, which is completely spread out by division. Such a rarity to have one team from every single division left in that divisional round. We thought we had it all figured out with the NFC West and the AFC West, supposedly the best uh, divisions of football before the season started, thinking the Broncos could have a nice Super Bowl run with their newly acquired quarterback in Russell Wilson. That didn't happen. Chargers could go on a run with their sensational quarterback in Justin Herbert. That failed miserably. Uh, The Raiders, uh, speaking of failure, that was a big-time failure right there. Didn't even finish the season with their starting quarterback. The Rams had their horrible issues, whether it came to injuries or personnel issues. Cardinals were a failure. Fire their head coach and same with uh, you know with the Seahawks they actually they punched above their their uh, I guess their weight but the Seahawks still ended up bouncing out in the uh, wild card round so we thought it would be the AFC West and the NFC West instead it's the NFC East as the best division in football let's do this let's get to some phones today I'm excited about this show I really am I want to hear from all of you Cowboys fans I know you've been kind of worried hiding you don't want to talk I get all that but now you got a big win. First road playoff win in 30 years. Think about that, folks. That's a long, long wait. All right. So let's get it going. 505-6009. Kicking it off on this Tuesday edition of Sports Talk as we send it over right now to Charlie One. Let's get our first traffic update of the show. But we need to mention this. Um, our deepest condolences to the family of El Paso Police Chief Greg Allen, who we learned uh, today has died after uh, nearly 15 years at uh, the helm of the police department as police chief. Um, The city of El Paso announced uh, Allen's death today. A cause was not disclosed. Here's what uh, El Paso Mayor Oscar Leeser said in a statement, and I quote, We lost a great leader today. El Paso Chief of Police Greg Allen was not only an incredible chief of police, but was an incredible son, husband, father, and friend. He earned the respect of every officer on his force 
and I was proud to call him my friend. He will be greatly missed, and the city of El Paso will forever be indebted to him for his leadership. Our heart goes out to his wife, Roseanne, and his entire family at this difficult and painful time. He was an esteemed member of our city family, and we mourn alongside them. So once again, just a shocking news today. Longtime El Paso Police Chief uh, Greg Allen has, uh, in fact, uh, passed away. So, uh, again, uh, that story broke uh, just before we went on the air. And uh, we want to obviously express all of our deepest condolences to uh, the family of Police Chief Greg Allen as we continue here on Sports Talk. All right, we've got two lines available. Our phone number, 505 Six zero zero nine. That's five zero five six zero zero nine. Let's get right to it and uh, go for uh, first to. Oh, I like this call. You know, I never thought about this until today. But what a opportunity for Orly. His team is in the divisional round, hosting his second favorite team in uh, the uh, playoffs. So, I, I mean, Orly, this is like, uh, for you, um, you know, Christmas 11 months early, isn't it? It's, well, the 49, I'm so tired. Okay, Cowboys won a game. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The 49ers are not going to rush only nine times against the Cowboys. You have to understand the defense is the best in the NFL right now, the 49er defense. Uh, you got McCaffrey. Uh, Purdy, he had a hell of a year, and all he does is manage the game. I guarantee you, I'll take the coaching staff over the Dallas coaching staff. They, Shannon will be ready. He'll have schemes to go against that. How are you going to stop Debo Samuel? You couldn't stop him last year. Now they got McCaffrey. How are you going to stop him? You got Debo Samuel's healthy. You got Elijah Mitchell back. Not to say you got Armstead. You got. Uh, Oh, uh, you've got Bosa? Oh, and he only rushes four people. The linebacker. What, for the, yeah, he's that guy from BYU right now. He, and let me tell you, the 49ers, yeah, it's going to be a tough game. One team I didn't want to play. I hate the Cowboys, as you know it. Don't tell me it's my second team. I'll, uh, I would I wouldn't, I really, I mean, first of all, it's going to be a tough challenge, but I think on paper, Personnel-wise, 49ers have a better squad. Have a better squad. I would trust Shanahan, and I really don't like the way he's calling plays, but now that he's got a quarterback that can go down deep, you notice the plays have changed. They're not playing not to lose. They're not playing uh, to keep the lead. They're actually opening up with this kid. Does he have? Does he could have a problem? Yeah, but the kid's been cool under fire. He's had a couple rough starts against the Raiders. He, he had a rough start against Seattle last week. But the kid's got ice cold in his veins. That guy's good. He's, he's good. I mean, if you just listen to Shannon, he'll have he'll have some kind of schemes to run it. Yeah, and I tell you, if you're going to beat the 49ers, you got to jump on them early in the first half because in the second half, they shut down people. DeMarco Ryan, Ryan's our defensive coordinator, he adjusts at halftime. And they, people have a struggle in the second half against the 49ers. 
Now listen, so, okay. I know I know for you you're a little this this is a tough game for you because again, your two favorite teams are playing each other. I understand no, that. No, I understand no, that. No, no, now, no, listen, no, no, you no. are you are a closet Cowboys fan. You no, are. I know I'm a, I'm a closet Cowboy hater. No, I, no, no. Not the you, let me now let me explain. You are. It's you're not a fan. The teams. No, it's not the team. It's their fans. All this today, all I've been hearing as they're going to the Super Bowl now, uh, they be, you beat a, uh, Brady, who you showed his age last night, doesn't have a lot of weapons, he didn't have a running attack. Yeah, I mean, Brady doesn't throw that interception, bad pass, it may be a different game. Give them their credit, they won, but now the feds are coming out, they're like cockroaches. They're coming out of the woodwork. When they got beat by Washington, well, you didn't hear from them. Would you trust Gak over Purdy? Yes. Had a good game. Yes, I would. Yeah. Yes, I would. I would. I would. I, 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 mean, I, would, I, would, I would absolutely trust Dak over Purdy. I would not with not with their offensive coordinator because he gets a little. All you gotta do is keep Dak in the pocket. Listen, are, the defensive front's gonna gonna harass us all Sunday. It could be a close game. You said, yeah, but you said, yeah, but you said, yeah, but you said, yeah, but you trust Mayer? Uh, Ma- first off, it's goal. first off, it's Mar, number one, number two. Mar, um, I well, I mean, if it's if it comes down to a field goal, yeah, because he's been good from field goals, just the extra points have been the issues. Listen, let me let me let me explain something to you, okay? You said in your call today that Purdy has done a great job as a game manager. Um, yeah, that's right. Okay, listen, Dak Prescott is not a game manager. Dak Prescott is a game changer. Now, let me say this. He can also change it. He can also change it where it goes reverse. I he have, can have you, a great you, game and have a bad game. You didn't let me finish. You were too busy yeah. ready to cut me off, which is no. which is my job, not your job. But all I can tell you is is that if Dak comes ready to play and he plays like he did yesterday, Dallas will beat San Francisco. If 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 it's if it's the Dak that showed up against the Commanders, it's going to be an ugly, ugly football game. It just depends. What, yeah. yeah, but it, it depends on what kind of Cowboys team you're going to get. Orly. You got you got you got you got a little better defense, a little better pressure on the defensive front from San Francisco than 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 uh, who they play last night, the Buccaneers. They didn't even pray. San Francisco would put pressure on him. Armstead, Bosa, they're going to put pressure on him. Yeah, but I got news for you. Okay, you can talk about the pressure all they want. They got to worry about. Uh, they got to worry about Tony Pollard because Tony Pollard. You know, we talk about McCaffrey, and I love McCaffrey. I think that was the pickup of the year in football. But Tony Pollard's the kind of guy that can change a game. So, you know, it's not just about the quarterback. You know, they could if they pressure if they pressure Dak, and then Pollard starts to break a few. It's going to soften that defense up a little bit early. Uh, I mean, he's good. Pollard's good, but the 49ers are fast on the corners. Oh. They're fast on the corners. I can't Their wait. Linebackers are fast. I can't wait for this football game. Will you watch this in public or in private? Can Cowboys oh, fans join now. you for this football game? Can they go oh, watch it with you? I, I can't. I mean, I don't want to hang around a bunch of thugs. All right. Well, I had to ask. I had to ask. No, I would. I would never try. First of all, like I said, it's not the team. Hanging around the Cowboy fans, I can't take their obnoxiousness. Yeah. All right. Well, listen. I expect to hear and, more from you this week. Be, 
no, no, this is it for the week. I'm just saying, mm. don't underestimate the 49ers. They've got the team to go. They're built. I trust the I trust Shanahan more than I trust the coach at Dallas. By the way, um, just so you know, early line, San Francisco minus, minus three and a half. I heard it was four and a half. It went up to four and a half that last I heard. Uh, now it's down to three and a half, which means there's money on the Cowboys, okay. pal. Money on the Cowboys. It's early, early, early. Everybody stop drinking the Kool-Aid. All right. We'll talk stop to you. Stop drinking the Kool-Aid. One game. Appreciate the call, my man. Take care of yourself. We'll talk to you next week. Orly throwing it out there. Letting it all hang out, Adrian. He would. He was relentless today on the phones. Couple things you have to bookmark, right? Uh, number one, uh, they are playing at home, San Francisco. I actually don't like that for them, Steve, in a weird way. Because if it's in Dallas, all the pressure's on the Cowboys. And now that the Cowboys are traveling to San Francisco, pressure's off. Hey, they've already won a road game before. If the Giants beat the Eagles, maybe they could even host a playoff game yep. in the championship round. And one more thing, Brock Purdy, his wins, which by the way, uh, 11, in, 11 wins in a row for the 49ers after starting 3-4 and four overall. Brock Purdy beat teams with a combined record of 35-49-1. So it's not like he beat you know the greatest teams out there throughout this last stretch. I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback. I'm not saying he, can even, uh, he can't win this game. I'm just saying maybe we should slow our expectations of Brock Purdy. You know, he's just a rookie. Here are the five teams he's uh, defeated during the regular season. Bucks. Seahawks, Commanders, Raiders, Cardinals. Best team is the Seahawks, right? I guess. I guess, and then he beat them again in the postseason. But I mean, you know, this will be the Cowboys can be a test. That's going to be really Purdy's first big test. All right. Hey, really quick, only four rookie quarterbacks have made the conference title game Sean King, Ben Roethlisberger, Joe Flacco, and you guessed it, Mark Sanchez. I would never have guessed that. That's hilarious. That is funny. Okay, we'll come back. We'll get to George. He wants to talk some Cowboys football. 505-6009. First, though, let's get to Adrian and this Sports Center update. All right, Adrian, good job as always. You ready for some phone calls? Let's get it rolling. We've got one line open. 505-6009. Orly has already dropped the first... Um, what do you want to say, Adrian? What, what would say he dropped? Uh, he dropped the first... Uh, Shot on this one? Yeah, Warning a shot? Hot take? Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Let's see what uh, George has to say. He's joining us next on the phones. Hey, George, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing great, Steve. Uh, staying out of the, the cold, making some caldo de rest for the family. Oh. And uh, reeling on this on this uh, great victory for the, for the Cowboys, you know? Yeah. Uh, only I, I, I tend to like have an agreement with them. Uh, I'm I'm a Cowboy fan, lifelong fan, been star back back in the days when go. I was a young kid. Right on. Uh, I had a number twelve jersey, you know, growing up. It's just Cowboys, lifelong branded. So uh, looking at what happened yesterday with with Tom Brady, the 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 thing was there. He's not at his. He wasn't at his best. Uh, there was a lot of miscommunication with Evans and. The receivers, they didn't really have a ground game. I've seen the Niners play, and, you know, it's going to be a test. But, you know, the, the Cowboys already are in a position where they really don't have anything to lose. I mean, they can let it all hang out. And, you know, I'm not saying Super Bowl. Uh, it's still, I'm not convinced. 
even 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 though it was a, a 31 to 6 victory you know i'm not convinced i'm i'm not you know on there yet to say you know oh cowboys are going to go all the way i don't i don't believe it yet uh, i think it, this is going to be a true test it's going to be a knockout drag out uh game i think the defense needs to show up the offense needs to play uh flawless especially dak um uh, I think if any, everything goes their way, I think that it, it's plausible they can win. But, I mean, once again, it's going to be a good game. I think so, I don't too. Know, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's going to be a great football game. I'm super excited. I think, and I said this earlier, between this game and the Giants-Eagles, I think these two games are going to be fantastic. I am... I am so excited about these two NFC playoff games in the divisional round. I think they're both going to be terrific. Right, and, and I mean, Micah Parsons and, and, and the whole defense needs to put pressure on this kid and, and make him uh, turn over the ball. I mean, it, it, it can happen. I mean, he hasn't really had a defense to test him uh, all, all season long. And, and I mean, this is, this is going to be a testament to the kid. I mean, I, I like him. I, I, I'm a Cowboy fan, and I really admire Debo Samuels and, and uh, McCaffrey and everybody you know they have a hell of a team. I mean, if anybody should should uh, has the right to be there, the Niners have have the right to be there. They 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 just they are good. I mean, I'm I'm not going to deny that. And I'm a Cowboy fan. No, I'm excited for you, George. I think it's going to be a terrific game, Adrian. I think we're all we're all excited. We think it's just going to be you know probably the game of the week. Yeah, it's the also it's the late game on Sunday night, so you get extra excited. It's the four thirty kickoff, uh, the divisional playoff round. I know the Giants Eagles game is the marquee game Saturday night. So hey, it's NFC across the board. Even though the AFC might be the deeper conference overall. Good job, George. Thanks for the call. Let's keep moving on. True Blue is back. One of our P1 listeners, and he joins us next on Sports Talk. What's going on? True Blue, how are you? Hey, good, good. Thank you. How are you all doing? Hey, we're doing well. Good to hear from you. Good, good. Like, you know what? It's been probably a couple of years since I've called in, but I'm always listening to you guys. Yeah. And um, We appreciate that. Uh, I, 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 want to, I want to dedicate this uh, call in memory of my cousin, Robert Sagarivai, who was also a P1 listener, and we would always talk afterwards. You know, he'd call me, we'd chat about whatever you guys talked about that day. But wow. anyways, um, in, or, in response to Orly, you know, not every Cowboy fan claims, you know, it's, I'm tired of hearing that, you know, that all Cowboy fans claim, oh, we're going to the Super Bowl, or they're going to the Super Bowl. Not every fan thinks like that. Some of us are realistic. Is it going to be a good game? Is it going to be a test? Uh, it is uh, for both teams. You know, it, it, it's going to be the ultimate game. It is. I like that kid, um, Purdy. I like his story, you know. But he hasn't had anybody really, you know, you know Dan Quinn's going to bring all sorts of, you know, um, um, schemes and stuff or whatever. You know, once he feels that pressure, and I honestly think once he gives that ball up, turnover, interception, whatever, I don't know if he'll be able to come back from it. I'm Cowboys just need to. The Cowboys just need to keep the foot on the pedal, not be re- you know, you know, be relentless and just take it to them, right? Their the their defense. I mean, we got Vanderish back, Hankins, and Vanderish was a big missing piece. You know, that's a captain. 
he was a big missing piece right there in the middle. You know, and, and Howard was saying, oh, well, the, you know, Tom Brady, he's on his way out and this and that, you know. And what if he would have won? Then everybody would have been, oh, Tom Brady, the greatest. And, you, you, you know, you understand what I'm saying? I do. I get you. I'm I get tired you. of hearing yeah. all that, man. The, the, and you, you know what? You mentioned something that I think is going to be a big factor and hopefully he, they get the running game going. Yep. Because they are going to pressure. They're going to pressure that. That's a, that's a given. But you know what? You got Pollard, man. You got Zeke, but Pollard, you know, once he hits those holes, did you see him yesterday? You know, it's like he turns on the, you know, he makes his little moves, little cutbacks, whatever. He sees a hole, and he just turns on, you know, you know what I mean? He, he, he goes into another He goes into another yeah. gear. He's so dangerous. Exactly. So, so dangerous. Exactly. I'm with you. So I, I think he's going to be a, a big factor, too. But, yeah, I'd like to see the defense, you know, rock these guys, man. Good I job. Really do. and I And I hope Dak, you know, you know, I hope he, you know, he's got that confidence. That Washington game, you know, they were probably, their their mindset wasn't all there probably because they were debating, you know, should we play? Should, you, you know what I mean? They weren't all in. I don't think so. You know, should we, you know, should we pull the players out? The players were thinking, well, what if I get hurt and we got this game's pointless or whatever. You, you don't know. But yesterday's showing was a good one, and hopefully they can continue that. Terrific stuff. Hey, True Blue, great to hear back from you. Keep in touch, all right? Thanks hey, for the call. Likewise, man. Thank you. Have a good one. All right, you too. When we come back, we'll hear from uh, Bobby, who just called in. Hey, we've got two lines open if you want to join the fun. 505-6009, as Sports Talk continues right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, here we go. 49 past the hour. We're running with you till 6 o'clock here on Sports Talk. we got one line ready to go, too. He's been hanging on through the break. Good job by Bobby. He's been patient. 505-6009, our telephone number. Two lines are available. Hey, Bobby, what's going on, man? How are you? Good, guys. How are you doing? First of all, can you hear me okay? Because I got you on the, uh, on the car speaker. Oh, yeah. You sound great, Bobby. Terrific. Hopefully, we sound all right on that speaker. Good job, man. Uh, thank you, guys. So, first off, I'll make it quick. Uh, uh, lifelong Cowboy fan. Uh, I know everyone's going to uh, dissect that game. Uh top to bottom so i'll leave that to the experts and but i just wanted to come back to this orly guy that you guys have you guys have him on uh pretty often uh from what i noticed oh he's been up for 30 he's been calling the show for 30 years long yeah. before i started by the way right. um reaction to having orly call you a cockroach how does that make you feel as a cowboys fan as a co- cowboys fan man not just a cockroach what 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 kind of like uh and i'm glad he didn't take the bait but uh, calling us uh, uh, thugs, man. I'm like, man, yeah. come on, bro. Like every single fan, every single fan base has their obnoxious fans, and I get it. Uh, as as a cowboy fan, I even listening, even watching yesterday after that game on on live TV, that that one cowboy fan who dropped the f bomb. I was like, oh god, it, it almost made me cringe because <laughs> I don't know. It's just I I do feel like there are two types of cowboy fans: the ones that are delusional. You know, ever since Stephen A. Uh, said that word it seems like everybody calls us that now but there's the delusional ones and the ones who i feel are, are like me who are just hopeful and 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 we get it 26 years we haven't been to the big game but I, i'm just as hope, hopeful as every other cowboy fan out there but you know to call it uh, to call cowboys fans thugs I'm, I'm glad orly is staying home because that's how you come come off as combative 
being out in public saying something like that, you yep. can start some stuff. You know what I mean? But I hear you, I Bobby. Get it. He's a, he, I know he's a lifelong um, caller and stuff. I'm sure he's a good dude, but I just don't like that whole uh, calling us thugs and stuff, you know? I think he's a closet Cowboys fan. I've been telling him that for years. He refuses to believe it, but I sometimes think that he enjoys talking more about the Cowboys than he does the 49ers. So. Yes. Hey, man, I appreciate the phone call. Great. Uh, thanks for hanging and appreciate you waiting with us, Bobby. And go Miners, man. Like that win over Charlotte. Right on. That was big yesterday. I agree with you there. That was. That was that was a good one. All right. Um, keep things moving. Here is Ray up next on Sports Talk. How you doing, Ray? What's going on? Steve, oh, you sound a lot better than yesterday, Steve. Hope you're feeling better. Appreciate that, Ray. Starting to get myself a little bit back to normal. That's good. Thanks. Don't worry. You're going you're gonna to get You're going to make it through it. Hey, being a being a Rams fan, I'm neither a fan of both of these teams. They're probably my least favorite teams, but I do think this is going to turn out to probably be the best game of the weekend. It is a game I'm looking forward to watching. I can't imagine how many times between now and Sunday we're going to see highlights of the 93 game or the catch with Dwight Clark. You know, that's, that's all the memories that are coming back. And these two teams, they, they when they get together in the playoffs, they definitely give us a game to remember. And, you know, with those two teams going together, yeah, I heard Arlie's comments as well. And I can say this, having been a Rams fan all my life, those San Francisco fans, those Northern California fans are just as obnoxious. And you can look at them every which way you want, because for the longest time you had to put them in the same boat as the Raider fans because they came from the same place. They all acted the same way. And I think everybody does act that way when they get together. But, you know, those fans, I've been around them myself personally. So I'd have to say, no, no, there's, there's no different with those Northern California fans. Hey, in the game itself, I look for Dak. Last night, I think he opened his eyes for himself, saw himself and say, hey, I can do this. I can run this show. I can get this team on my back. And you look at the, what the 49ers are going to bring. We all know and hear about their defense. But they like to take chances. They like to take risks. They think they have the personnel to be able to do that and get away with it. I think they might just take one risk too many with a quarterback like Dak who can look over the field, make you pay with a check down, with a pass out to the flat, or as you saw CeeDee Lamb get into a broken coverage last night. I think Dak will find that. Purdy has not been in a situation like this. He's beaten teams, as you guys pointed out earlier, that aren't quite like the playoff teams he's going to play now, especially Dallas and that defense. We all can say Tuesday before the Sunday, yes, it's just another game. Oh, it's just adrenaline. He's going to be excited. Yeah, he will be until the moment comes when he has to make a play in that game to get the 49ers to the next level. If this was Jimmy Garoppolo in that situation, I might be feeling a whole lot easier with the 49ers' chances. But putting it on a rookie who's never been in this situation, I think I'd take a few steps back. And lastly, we all remember last year, what happened with Odell Beckham and how he came in and became such a factor for the Rams. You saw just a little hint of it last night, but I think it's going to come out even more so on Sunday. I think T.Y. Hilton, you might look for a veteran like him to be an X factor in this game on Sunday. What do you think? I love it. I mean, how great would that be? If, if, if someone that was their most recent acquisition 
becomes a difference maker. And, and, and it's such a vet that's been around for so many years with the Colts. I would think that'd be fun. Ray, all I could tell you is this. The game is, is going to be worth the price of admission and so excited about that. And I'm so happy we're getting so many calls in this 4 o'clock hour, Adrian. That's what it's all about. That's right. Uh, Bobby pointed out something really interesting about uh, Dan Quinn, Can- uh, Kyle Shanahan. Uh, remember when those two were coach- uh, coaching on the Atlanta Falcons coaching staff? Mm-hmm. Went to the Super Bowl, blew that 28-3 to lead. Uh, Dan Quinn knows Kyle Shanahan very well, so he's going to be coming to this one ready to go for his game plan. He is. Uh, so much. We're going to have so much fun talking about this the rest of the week. Great job, Ray. Appreciate the call. All right, Cowboys update, top of the hour. Then track talk with Eric Alwyn. Then right back to your phone calls. John Teicher is about an hour away from Moon Tower, just up the road, right by UTEP, 3233 North Mesa. That's where UTEP basketball with Kevin Baker and uh, Joe Golding will happen. 6 o'clock right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back, everybody, to another week of Track Talk as we kick it off here with Eric Alwyn, the voice of Sunland Park Racetrack and Casino. And, uh, man, Eric, I love upsets. And I'll tell you what, if we talk about what happened last Saturday, it was Upset City, especially for Brooks' legacy in that Lou Wooten and Sidney Valentini handicap. Um, I'm telling you, we've seen some big upsets here through the first few weekends of live racing, haven't we? Couldn't pick that horse in a billion years, Steve. I could look at that form over and over and over again. But that's the thing about racing. Hope springs eternal. You know, long shots do win. And favorites only win a third of the time at best. So there's all that, that whole probability opens up. I don't know what happened with Mean Moonflash in the race. She didn't seem to really fire her A game. Fancy sort of did, but... Here comes Brooks Legacy down the center of the track, and there were those two grays battling it out. It did make for an exciting finish to the Lou Wooten Sydney Valentini handicap, but it's all part of the game. It's never over till it's over. Kind of like that playoff game from a few days ago, the Chargers blowing the big lead. Oh, you're kind of right. like that. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Hey, by the way, um, I'm going to ask you this question because you said you would never have picked this <laughs> horse in a million years, yet this horse has now won three in a row. So when the horse had won its two races prior to this, was the competition just not good enough to where you expected this horse, Brooks Legacy, to uh, to come in the winner's circle? That's a great question. Uh, for, for those of us that follow the game real intently, you know, when you win a maiden race, okay, that's, that's a start, <laughs> you know. So that's what that horse did. It beat non-winners. And then it did, it did do this. It did beat winners subsequently at Zia. But by no means had it ever run against anything as fast as what we saw in those mares that were had made a half a million dollars, you know, big money like that. But it does go to show that a, that a, a rising upstart can get sharp and, and shock the world. And, you know, she wasn't in front. She was, she was a length back. Mm-hmm. And, and she closed and won. And that's that's also remarkable in a short quarter race. That was what? Was it only 400 yards? Yeah, 400 yards. What can you tell me about um, Armando Alamos, the trainer of the horse, as well as uh, Oscar Diaz, the owner of uh, Brooks Legacy? 
Not too much, Steve. Uh, I think I've caught his name at Albuquerque some and called some of his winners. So he did sort of grab my attention. Uh, but uh, man, that, that was that was a huge win. And I don't I don't know the owner all that well yet, but uh, you know they, they obviously know what they're doing, and they've got some good horses. And Armando can train because I've seen him win plenty of maidens and allowance races. So he's a kind of a of an up and comer there. So this is the kind of race that if you like long shots, and let's just say you played the exacta with Brooks Legacy and uh, Fancy, uh, you did very very well for yourself, didn't you? Gosh. I don't quite remember the price, Steve, but I'm sure it was like 150, 200 to one for a dollar ticket. You bet that much. You knock a favorite out like that. Sure does. To, to be honest with you, I, I was shocked that, that the Philly was only 15 to one. I mean, I thought it would have been even higher. But um, it was it was it was exciting to call because uh, I could I could tell that she was revved up in the last hundred yards and and that she was going to go by fancy. And it made for some excitement there. I'll tell you what, Eric, that exact it paid over two hundred and seven dollars. A very impressive finish. Very impressive. They deserved it. All right. Uh let's talk about uh Mama was a rocket. That was the oh, Sunday winner in the La Senora Stakes. Now, this is really interesting. First career stakes win for the horse. Mm-hmm. But when you realize that this is a Todd Fincher horse, then clearly you get excited because we've talked about Todd so many times over the years. Whenever he has a horse in a major stakes race, no matter what yes. the odds are, you have to take it seriously. And and uh, our good friends, who you know well, Kirk and Judy Robeson of El Paso, probably the most, most successful local ownership group I've ever seen. And, and has been able to win at the national level with Jackie's Warrior. Uh, this is a horse that, uh, hell, I bet on her. I bet on her when she won her debut at um, Rudoso. Mm-hmm. She really impressed me. Why did I like her? Because she was out of a mare that has already produced some stakes winners. I think she was the mama. Uh, she's out of the mama that produced Diabolical Ruler, who was another uh, very precocious two-year-old for the Robesons years back. And I like to do that. I think that sometimes the best play in racing is the first time outers because not everybody is willing or capable to do the research that's necessary to know if the breeding's there or not. So this horse impressed me back in the summer, but you know what, then, then she sort of tailed off. She, they put her in the, tri- the trials and futurities that were also for the thoroughbreds and she didn't quite pop. Uh, she was l- most lately seen at Zia and there was some, some improvement. She was a good third. I think in a stakes race, beating the length. And then she was only beating about a head and a very tough allowance. So you had to use her in the mix. I guess I'm sure that's why she was, I think she was two to one. Mm-hmm. She might not have been quite the favorite, but she was close to being the favorite. And she's uh, by that great stud, uh, Diabolical. She looked great coming out onto the, the racetrack. But it's interesting how she won it, Steve. She, uh, she was headed by Hannah's High Life on the far turn, where usually races are won and lost. And I thought was behind by almost a length. And Hannah's high life was just cruising and not even being asked. And usually outside horses tend to sort of dominate the ones that are on the inside. Yeah. Not in this case. That mama was a rocket kicked back into gear and put away Hannah's high life and kept driving and, and still won it. 
And uh, of course, with Todd Fincher training, you know, you always got to be on the alert. He had three in the race. And uh, I will mention this name for you, Steve, Felipe Valdez. What can you tell He's me about latest, it, Eric? What can you tell me about kind of Felipe? Great rider that Todd's using. And he used uh, Felipe on one of his up and coming three year old male horses that I think is a New Mexico bred that's still the trap. Remember that name, because I think stealing the trap might be good enough to compete against open horses in our series of races that lead up to the Sunland Derby. And if not, I think he's going to run on Sunland Derby Day uh, in that New Mexico Breeders Derby that's worth a quarter million dollars. He's that good. He's got a big, long stride on him. And, the uh, you know, the fact the day that he won, Santa Anita had, had shut down because of the, all the flooding and everything. And all FanDuel TV, a.k.a. TVG, had to show was someone mm -hmm. i was all over the place someone was all over the place and even they noted how impressive this new mexico bred for todd looks so it's it's so amazing how many horses todd has how deep his barn is and um that was a i was so glad to see kirk robeson in the winter circle too he was here to cheer on uh, mama was a rocket and th then that name that that tells you everything you know mm -hmm. the mama was a rocket and she's produced rockets. So I was happy for Kirk and Judy. As far as Hannah's high life, you mentioned that horse earlier. Francisco Amperon rode the horse. Dueling with Mama uh, was a rocket. But did uh, Hannah's high life just fade down the stretch? Well, because of Hissa and all the federal rules that we have to abide by, no Lasix allowed. It's another little wrinkle you got to deal with now. Um, I think uh, that was a factor. However, no one was allowed to use Lasix. So Hannah's is usually a, a Lasix user, as they all are. But I guess without Lasix, Mama was a rocket, showed that she just had more determination than uh, than Hannah's High Life. I, I don't know, you know, the particulars. Like, did Hannah's High Life bleed or not? I, I don't know. Yeah. But she ran well, but she sure did look like her heart was broken in the final furlough. Meanwhile, a crossfire cowgirl with Alfredo Juarez Jr. gets the uh, the second place finish in this one. Yes. So, with all the talk about Hannah's high life and Mama was a rocket, here comes uh, one of the great riders uh, of Sunland, and uh, again, a mm -hmm. horse that was able to close right down the center and uh, and take the place. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what makes wagering exotically. When I say that that term exotically, it means all the other bets besides win, place, and show. Because when you're betting exotics, you, you want to know who's going to be first and second and third if you try the trifectas or, or fourth if you try the supers. But whenever a horse is going for the win, and of course they all are going for the win, and then she sort of gets discouraged, you can't really count on her just being second. Yeah. And that's what happened with um, Hannah's High Life. She relinquished second in the final strides, and it made for an all Todd Fincher exacta that I think paid 25 bucks for two. Nice. Which is a great price for Todd in such a short field. That's a great point you bring up. Uh, meanwhile, I got to ask you this question, okay? So, in the old days, it was two mm -hmm. to one, three to one, four to one. Now, Mama was a rocket, finished 2.70 to one. When did we start going to decimal points on the odds, Eric? Oh, uh, that's just a way that the Equibase people kind of narrow it all the way down to when you're looking at the toad board, 
Uh, Steve, it, they don't do it that way. They just give you the price that you would get if your horse wins. But they've been they've been going down to the dime. That's what we go down to in New Mexico. New York goes down to the nickel. Wow. And and get this, Kentucky goes down to the penny, which is kind of a good thing because it, it allows horses to pay uh, 219 rather than 210 or it could pay $4.49. So for a big player that that's a lot of money, you might get 19 cents more per dollar bet than the way things used to be. But uh, we're still down to the, the dime. And that's only if it's a big show bet and something pays 210. On everything else, it's an increment of 20 cents. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, and, yep. <laughs> Uh, Eric Alwyn with us here on Track Talk this week as we continue. So those were the big races uh, from this past weekend. Now, uh, we have uh, live racing all week, uh, Tuesdays uh, and uh, as well as Fridays, Saturdays, and um, Sundays. And mm-hmm. as we mentioned earlier, um, Sunday and Tuesday are, for, are uh, thoroughbred races. Friday, Saturday are the quarters. Now, this week, Eric, we're talking about weather in the 40s and the 50s. Now, we could have some some rain like today. We could have just cool weather. How does the cooler temps affect live racing and the horses? How do they respond versus maybe going up to the 60s, the 70s, and later on the 80s when we have that later in the year? They're amazing animals, Steve. They're, they are cold weather animals, and they actually do grow a winter coat of fur, believe it or not. Sometimes you'll see horses come out in the winter that look like they're like have a dark shade and then a lighter shade. And that's because they've been shaved so that their kind of their woolly coat, so to speak, doesn't, uh, they won't get too sweaty and then catch a cold. But they really do like cold weather. And do you remember uh, Sunday's weather in El Paso? I mean, it was blowing 40, 50 miles an hour. Yep. Right. And we ran. I got to give them tip of the cap to the brave jockeys and we kept running and, and the horses still ran very formful. What, what weather does is it changes the dynamic of a horse race. You see, if there's lots of wind down the backstretch that the, that the front runners are facing, it tends to wear them out quicker and allows the closers to win. When it rains like today and there's no wind, Front runners benefit because they get the, the front runners don't get splashed with the mud, and you know the the horses that are in the back and waiting to make their moves kind of get the get hit with lots of mud, and that that's very discouraging. So usually speed holds there, but as long as it's not too icy or unsafe, yeah, the, the horses really do love it. We, you know, driving in today, there was a lot of rain. We could have an off track, but our track man's so good. What he will do to the surface is like, you remember when you brought Joel out and you guys came to the press conference and I showed you that eight to 10 inch cushion of soft dirt? Well, they'll compact it down a little bit so that the water will drain off. That's what's called a a sealing a racetrack. That's being done as we speak right now. So that it doesn't get so overly muddy. Makes a lot of sense. But they're amazing creatures. They they like cold weather, and we're lucky here in the Southwest, right? I mean, we don't we don't run in freezing temperatures. Maybe once a year, it can happen. Yes, I've seen races in the snow here, <laughs> but uh, 
we're pretty lucky. And that's why Sullen has always occupied this niche of being the only track in New Mexico uh, during the winter months. Eric, we've flown by another week of track talk. Again, live racing, 1225, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, NFL playoffs as well. Just a lot of good things happening around. And, uh, hey, enjoyed the conversation. Look forward to doing it right back with you next week, Eric. You're the best. Appreciate it. Eric Alwyn, folks, as we continue here on Track Talk. We'll do it again next week. In the meantime, let's take a break. We'll come back. Charlie One standing by with another traffic update. Welcome back, everybody, as we continue here on Sports Talk. Along with Adrian Broadus, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. 880, um, our old number, has changed to 505-6009. 505-6009. Gets you right on in and through to the program. Hey, we've got lines available right now. We'd love to hear from you following Track Talk with uh, Eric Alwyn, another great edition of Track Talk as well. And hey, John Teicher standing by. We'll get to John coming up in about... 20 minutes uh, during our final countdown. Excited about having Teich with us as well. You know, if you are looking uh, to buy or sell a home uh, and you are looking for somebody that you can team with, somebody you can trust to help get the home sold, let me give you a name for you. Brian Birds. And you know what? Every winning team has a great group of of, of players, and Brian's got that team as well, the Brian Bird's home selling team powered by EXP Realty, and here's what they do. They give you results every time, like what happened with Thomas and Letty. You know, they had a rental property in West El Paso that they wanted to sell, so they enlisted Brian's help to get it sold. In fact, that home was sold, and you want to know what they did? They got it done in just two weeks. It was a beautiful thing. Listed for $188,000, that's when the marketing went to work with Brian's team. Multiple showings, cash offer received within a week. How great is it that when that deal closed two weeks later, Thomas and Letty were free to spend the holidays worry-free with their family, thanks to Brian. Now remember, you need that sweet spot when you list your home, not too high where it doesn't sell or too low where you leave money on the table. Again, You need Brian Birds of the Brian Birds Home Selling Team powered by EXP Realty. You know what? They're the official real estate agent of the UTEP Miners, El Paso Locomotive FC, and the Rhinos. And guess what? They have hundreds of buyers ready to buy right now, especially if you're a homeless between $150,000 and $300,000. Give them a call today, 751-1500, online at brianbirds.com or Google Brian, B-U-R-D-S, and start packing. He then referred to Cowboys fans as cockroaches and thugs and, uh, you know, tried to start uh, a little trouble on the phones, which he did. But for those of you that don't know who Orly is, Orly's been calling the show since long before I hosted. In fact, I've been on the air since 1997. Orly started calling in 1990 when Sports Talk first took the air. So he's been calling John Teicher. He's been calling Jeff Lindbergh. He's been calling Bob Fields. He's been calling Duke Keith. He's been calling everybody over the years. Um, You know, yours truly included, along with Adrian. So for those of you that have heard Orly and you don't know the history, he is a sports talk caller OG. That's the best way to put it. He's been there since the beginning. And, uh, you know, in the days of J.J. and Raider Ray, uh, Orly was right there with the rest of them. Uh, he was one of the original callers who would get on the program all the time. So doesn't call as often now, but when he calls, he uh, loves to talk uh, about the Cowboys. In fact, 
I feel like we get more Orly calls after Cowboys losses than we do after 49ers victories. We'll get a 49er call after a big thing. Like, for example, Jimmy Garoppolo going down early into the season, had to call in, talk a little about Trey Lance and uh, that transition. So we do get those uh, calls sprinkled in. But uh, it's, you know, from from Orly's perspective, I think he takes those victory laps when uh, the Cowboys falter or even when the Cowboys do well, but they have kind of a ceiling. So he'll kind of give them a backhanded compliment saying, hey, uh, good job by the Cowboys, mm-hmm. but I don't think you'll go as far as this team. You know, that kind of thing. We all think it's going to be terrific this weekend. I mean, the playoff games are going to be amazing. Uh, I love, first off, if you're a Cowboys fan, okay, you could not ask for a better performance than what you were given yesterday, with the exception of Brett Maher. And luckily, you didn't need Brett Maher yesterday. You just didn't. It was the only um, blemish to a perfect game on both ends of the football. It really was. I mean, you know, he's usually Mr. Reliable. He missed four extra points yesterday. That's never happened before. But, hey, uh, they didn't need him. It didn't matter. The defense was too good, uh, and that's just the truth. So, right now, you have 49ers-Cowboys Sunday. It's the late game. I believe it starts at, what, 425? Yeah, that's right. Exactly. And, I mean, the way Brock Purdy is playing right now with Christian McCaffrey in that defense and the way the Cowboys looked against Tampa Bay, this has the potential of being just a terrific football game. Really does. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled about it. I think on both sides, you can just pick apart so many different storylines from this game in particular. And then the history behind the Cowboys and the 49ers. And just thinking locally here in El Paso. If you're not a Cowboy fan, the chances of you being a 49er fan are actually pretty high. And if you're not a 49er fan, yeah, sure, maybe you're a Raiders fan, a Packers fan, or some of the other you know Steelers fans here in El Paso are, are real big. But uh, it feels like these two fan bases are very prominently... Um, displayed across the city. And so for local interest, I think this is going to have a very high local interest for obvious reasons with both these teams playing. You know what else I just realized? I think Buck and Aikman are done. Man, really? That's sad. Because the Super Bowl this year is Fox. The championship games are on Fox and CBS. And the divisional round this weekend, you have... um, the Jags Chiefs on NBC, which is Tarico. You've got the Giants Eagles on Fox. You've got the Bengals Bills on CBS, which is Romo and Nance. And then you've got the Cowboys 49ers on Fox. I've really liked Burkhart Olsen. I thought that this past weekend in the Vikings-Giants uh, game, they were the best announcers. Uh, bar none. I really thought they were. They brought the excitement. They have the chemistry. Greg Olsen teaches you about football. The worst announcers over the weekend, and I, I feel like this is on- honestly kind of blasphemous saying this, but Al Michaels, Steve, I, oh, yeah. I just really did not like Al Michaels' call with Tony Dungy, and no fault to either of those guys. They weren't in the booth all year long together, and they were having to develop chemistry on the fly. Uh, here in this wild card round, I thought that was pretty unfair for both of them. It was a disaster. It was. It was a. That was a disaster. Now um, you're right. They sounded disinterested in that game, don't you think? I mean, yes. if you if you listened to especially to uh, Michaels in this playoff game, he was just there was there was no excitement, no emotion. It was almost like he was bored. The Trevor Lawrence 
touchdown, or I guess it was like the two-point conversion where he just dove inside the end zone. That was like one of the more exciting plays of the entire game, and they met it with so much, I don't know, such a dull call at that point. And I I thought that uh, for, for those two guys to be handed that call, I just felt like that was unfair. Now here's the question I have, okay? Who's the B team? Uh, with Burkhardt, Olsen, Aaron Andrews, and Tom Rinaldi's the A team, so you got to figure they're doing the Cowboy game probably against the 49ers, right? Or is the Giants Eagles the A game? Who's the A game for Fox? Hmm, good question. It's got to be the second game, right? It's got to be. The- I don't know. I mean, the Eagles are the best team in, uh, in the Eagles are the best team in the NFL record wise uh, in the AFC in the NFC. Look, I would think that the B team is Joe Davis, Daryl Johnston, and Pam Oliver. Yeah, I think so. And I, Joe Davis was a little shaky this past weekend in the 49ers Seahawks game. Yeah. I, and I like Joe Davis. He's he's uh, one of the. You know, Gus Johnson would be my my pick if I had to choose. Uh, I know some people think he's a little too much at times, but I really like uh, Gus Johnson a lot. Throw him with whoever, keep Talib, whomever uh, as a side. Uh, side Gus kick. isn't even doing NFL this year. Wait, really? Yeah. Wow, that's that's uh that would be my choice if I could if I could pick anybody. The announcing teams this year was uh, Burkhart, Joe Davis, Adam Amin, Kenny Albert, Kevin Kugler, and Chris Myers. Those are all the uh, play-by-play guys. Yeah, I like Adam Amin. I think he could be another guy who uh, would be a, a nice person to slide in. But I don't. Yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting right there. Um, I I guess it it will go to Joe Davis uh, as far as the B team goes, and maybe that's the Cowboys game uh, when it's all said and done on Sunday. Man, could be. Could be. All right, bottom of the hour. We've got less than 30 minutes to go. Let's send it back to Adrian Broadus right now and get our final Sports Center update. Your Sports Center update. I'm Adrian Broadus. Adrian, thank you very much. Ah, good to know that um, Esteban uh, messages us on uh, Twitter, tweets the show, that uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman did bid farewell for the year last night. So that was their final broadcast. Too bad. They should have had another one. I don't know why. Why does Fox get two this week? And then CBS and NBC each get one. Especially if Fox is doing the Super Bowl. Why not let Fox, ABC, NBC, and CBS each have a game? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Doesn't make any sense to me either. I would say when it comes to this one right here, uh, I guess ESPN, ABC, they just didn't bid enough. I, I don't know what the what the answer is to this one right here. I do know that they have the Pro Bowl. So whoopty whoopty do the I, the flag football game now, right? I That's mean, right. it's not going to be the actual uh, you know eleven on eleven tackle football Pro Bowl game. Yeah, that's true. I wonder, you know, if the Cowboys keep going and you know they get to the big one. I wonder if uh, Aaron Jones could replace Tony Pollard. Wow, okay. Yeah, that's right, in the Pro Bowl. That's that right, kinda, if he's a reserve I would. It'd be kind of cool. Maybe he could be an alternate somewhere. He should be, right? I mean, yeah. uh, I, maybe, you know, statistically he put up a great season as well. Maybe he didn't get the fan vote or the player vote like he deserved. But, uh, but he didn't get the touchdowns. Yeah, That that's was the right. thing he missed this year. He had everything but the TDs. That's right, yes. Put up the stats, didn't have the touchdowns. Yeah, we know that because they didn't really give him the ball in the end zone. I mean, that's just the facts. They were right, you know, the only a handful of times that they ever have a chance to try to run it in. They usually gave him the ball for one carry, and then they, they switched it up immediately after that. So, yeah. um, I wrote about Tyron Smith today, okay, on the website at 600ESPNElPaso.com, and I talked about how the Tyron Smith situation is really, for me, a wake-up call for UTEP to get an NIL collective for football. Um, they've worked so hard for basketball, 
and they established it really after they built the roster this year. So, you know, they haven't had the dollars to put into basketball yet. Um, That will probably change here soon. And then they might also be able to use NIL money to to get players out of the portal, which they haven't really been been able to do before. Um, I don't know if an NIL collective would have made a difference in Tyron Smith staying or leaving. But I think the point is this, Adrian. When you've got a guy that, you know, has a thousand yard receiving season with seven touchdowns and you can't really offer him anything financially through NIL to stay, um, he's going to more than likely try to cash out on that and see what he can get in the open market. Now, Tyron Smith last year went into the portal with virtually no numbers because he was the number three receiver behind Jacob Cowing and uh, Justin Garrett. So now he's your number one. He's a thousand yard receiver. He has the seven touchdowns. He's got the highlight tape. And you say to yourself, wow, you know what? He might either A, get another group of five deal with NIL dollars attached, or maybe even land a power five deal where he's more depth, but he, he gets a payday as a result. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think that uh, I would take the I, I would probably take the first one as far as the possible route. Um, it's interesting, right? Because the most recent example we can bring up is Jeremiah Byers, who I know you wrote about as well in that story that you put up on six hundred ESPN El Paso dot com. With Jeremiah Byers as a first team All Conference right tackle from Conference USA leaving UTEP, he was able to leverage some kind of a deal. That's what we know because he sat down with Sports Illustrated actually just a couple weeks ago and mm-hmm. talked about his departure from UTEP to Florida State and why he just decided the Seminoles and the biggest thing that he said first off he, he thanked everybody from UTEP he said it was nothing to do with El Paso he thought uh, El Paso made him the person he was but he said it was all a business decision what does that tell you it's cash of That's course money. it's cash of course it's cash. Yes. So that tells you right there, writing's on the wall. And, um, you know, the, the one thing you don't want is this to, like, open the floodgates for every other player looking at Jeremiah Byers' situation and thinking, wait a second, could I do that? Could this be me? Yes, it could be you. Yes. But, but what happens if you stay at UTEP? What could you do here? And maybe that impact could be greater than you going to a Power 5 school and just being another guy. You know what the hardest part, though, is? Um, so right now, if you're UTEP, think about this, okay? So, number one, you don't have a ton of donor money to pull from, okay? You just don't. You're limited. You've got big donors, but you've got the same guys. You don't have a ton of new donors, and you definitely don't have, like, you know, thousands of donors. You just don't. So, on one end, you want the donors to help your facility upgrades, you know, like you've done with the Sun Bowl. You want them to maybe continue the build-out of the Sun Bowl. Maybe they do more in the south entrance, uh, ex, you know, the south side. Maybe they, they do more on the east side. Maybe they, they donate for the Haskins Center. So you need that money, right? But on the other end, that those same donors, you almost want them to also start a collective for NIL so that UTEP can become more viable in the NIL game for attracting certain uh, student-athletes, higher-profile athletes. See, the hardest part is this. When football is not making money and basketball is not making money, you're not able to use the income for facilities improvements. You just can't because you don't have money coming in. So now 
you're relying on your biggest supporters of the program, and yet, what do you do? Do you take the money and put it towards the much-needed facility upgrades? Or do you you know, make sure that they go and put it to the collective for NIL dollars? It's a, it's a really, really difficult decision when you have a small number of big supporters and you also don't have programs that are doing well enough to really fund the athletic department in general. Yeah, I really, when you break it down that way, Steve, I really think there's no right answer, unfortunately, for this situation that UTEP is in. Because on one side, if you talk, I, I'm sure, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm sure if you talk to people who are higher up in the athletic department, they are going to tell you that the, a priority list that's very long. Hey, we need this done. We need this done for donors. Once we get funds, we want to accomplish this. And they have yeah. a checklist themselves. Well, on the other side, football and basketball players, they have their own checklist. Hey, I need to pay for this. I need to get a car. I need to ride around uh, to practice. Hey, I need to also feed myself on the weekends and also you know, live comfortably here in El Paso. And maybe I need to send money back home. Yep. You know, they're, they're, They have their own priorities. So I, I really think there's no right answer, unfortunately, when you're pulling donor money and you're trying to figure out which way to prioritize those dollars. I think the key is this. If the minor collectives could tap into the larger community fan base and appeal to them at any level, that would be better than the current status, which is just you know asking the the heavy hitters to try to shoulder the entire load. Yeah, I feel like there could be a really good grassroots NIL campaign that goes with some of these uh, at, you know teams. I, I really do because I feel like that could be the answer versus asking your big do- dollar donors to go out and prioritize some of their money elsewhere. When yeah. hey, there's a there's a lot of minor fans out there who don't know how, but they would definitely I think would want to support some of these players and student athletes. 18 in front of six as sports talk continues. Uh, John Teicher is going to join us, our final countdown. i get John's thoughts on all this, see what he says to say. I'm so interested in that. Plus, we've got uh, UTEP basketball with uh, Kevin Baker and Joe Golding less than 20 minutes away. Less than 20 minutes away right here, 600 ESPN El Paso.